Well, I was doing some electrical work uh, yesterday, and if you've been around this place, you know how these stories often go for me. Uh, I was doing some electrical work, and I knew it was going to be an issue even before I started. And so I called an electrician friend that I know, and I said, hey, I just need you to come over and show me a little bit. I think I know how to do the rest. Can you just come over and show me how to do this? And so he comes over and he shows me what I need to do. And I won't get into all the details, but he leaves telling me um, exactly what I asked for him to tell me. And when he left, I felt really confident in changing these outlets until I went to change the outlets a couple of days later being yesterday. And so they're GFCI outlets and I had to do these different things to them and I had got them all plugged in and I, I flipped the switches back on and I go up and I'm not getting any power to these and I'm still not sure why, but I go to the last one and I test the last outlet and when I do, I feel like there's an explosion that goes off in the outlet. Sparks fly everywhere, there's a small fire, very small fire on the, the countertop and and for me, I have absolutely no what's going on. I shut the power off and I open up the, the outlet there and it's black all inside. And so I have to call my electrician again and I take pictures and I send them to him. And what I realized in this moment was I really had no idea what I was doing. But, but I kind of pretended, right? I kind of pretended like if he would have just showed me step by step how to do it all, if he'd have given me all of the information that I needed, I probably wouldn't have been okay. But I just kind of got half of it. I just got a little bit. And honestly, the little bit I got could have really hurt me. Right? And instead of kind of humbling myself and saying, I need you to show me everything, I, I didn't. And we're going to start a series today that I have been really, really excited about, but I've also been a little nervous about. Uh, we're going to look at some statements that you've probably heard as a Christian that you've said as a Christian, and maybe you're, you're here and you say, look, I don't even know if I'm a Christian or what I believe. These things have maybe been said to you, and they're not true. They're statements that we've heard over and over and over, and we have believed them to be true because we've heard them so much. And oftentimes we've used them in a way where we think they're going to help someone, but honestly, they kind of hurt people. They're just half true. But we have used them as truth, and it's been hurtful. So there's a couple of things that I think could happen in a series like this. Uh, the first thing is, I think there might be this feeling of wanting to get defensive. Again, it's one of those things where you've heard it so much, it is going to be something you've held on to, maybe closed-fisted. And, and you have believed it to be true. And so the moment I begin to say, uh, maybe that's not what you really thought. Or maybe that's not as true as you, as you thought it was. There might be this feeling of wanting to get defensive. And I understand. I get it. Uh, you may actually move to this moment where you feel even a little irritated. Because sometimes when we hear things that aren't what we think or, or they go against what we've believed, it means we're going to have to do some work. And oftentimes, spiritually, when we have to do a little work on our own, uh, it means some time and it means some energy. And, and we're not always willing to do that. And so there might be this feeling of being irritated. It might even be like, okay, I'm going to have to go look at that some more. And, and look, I get it. I really do understand. Maybe you'll feel challenged. Uh, you've heard people say, the Bible says, or the, I've heard that the Bible says. And I've heard people tell me that. And I'm like, I, I don't know everything in the Bible, but I don't think that's in the Bible. And so I'll literally go and just do a Google search because I'm not sure, right? And I'll, I'll, I'll check and see if scripturally if it's, if it's in there, right? And there's this challenge that, that happens. But, 
But maybe you're going to feel challenged to say, okay, I really want to seek out the truth of these statements. Because even though you may feel challenged, you may feel even irritated, you, you may feel a, a, a little defensive, in the end, what I think will happen is there'll be some freedom that comes in this. That I actually think there'll be more hope. Because some of these things we've believed have actually maybe hurt us or hurt other people. And so really what I hope is that you'll feel encouraged that, that maybe, maybe someone has said these to you and it, it has hurt you. And you haven't really been sure what you think about God because of what's been told to you. That maybe it's even pushed you away from God and you believe them to be true. And so I'm hoping that maybe there's some encouragement that takes place for you. And then for some of us who have used these phrases, maybe we'll be encouraged just to say it just a little different. That we'll understand the truth a little deeper, the whole truth, and we'll be able to help those around us. So I've heard it said that you're either in the middle of a difficult time, you are about to head into a difficult time, or you've come out of a difficult time. That none of us are excused from difficult things happening in our lives. That the storms will come, hardships, pain, those things will happen to all of us. And so they're either happening to you now, you've just come out of one, or unfortunately, maybe you're about to head into one. And what I know is that life comes at us quickly. You get the, the call that you're losing your job or the manager or the owner calls you in and just says things aren't working out and they give you a two weeks notice and you're not sure what it's going to look like after those two weeks. Or maybe you've started a new job or you recently have gotten married and things change. Maybe you've decided to have a baby. Maybe you're selling a house, buying a house. These things happen quickly and oftentimes those are our decisions. Like we get to, we get to for the most part, make those decisions. And in the midst of all of those, we can feel a little overwhelmed. But life often gets complicated and it has nothing to do with our decisions. It has nothing to do with our decisions. The doctor sits you down and gives you a report. You've been waiting for the test results and finally you get them and they're not what you were hoping or expecting. Maybe it's not you. Maybe it's a, a loved one. Maybe money is tight and you've always seemed to be behind. You, you're trying to be good stewards while you have. You're you're doing what you're supposed to and you just feel like nothing can ever come to fruition for you and everything always seems to be tighter. Your children have made poor decisions and you're feeling the pain of your kids or you're unable to have a baby or you just can't find that person who will care for you or love you or there's been divorce, right? Those things get really complicated and often those have nothing to do with you or your decisions. And in the midst of all of those, you feel overwhelmed and you don't know what to do. Uh, my mom, who is mid-60s, has had some real physical problems. She's been getting injections in her back. And she was here about six weeks ago and stepped on my uh, wonderful dog's bone, uh, like chew bone, and kind of hurt her foot in the moment but didn't think much about it. And four weeks later, found out she had had a broken foot the whole time. So injections in her back, broken foot. Uh, she, her yard is being overrun with gophers. Uh, someone ran over her mailbox the other day and didn't mind stopping or doing anything. And she believes she has a water leak. And she told me the other day, she made this statement. She said, I just don't know if I can handle anything else. You've been there? You, you get to that point, you're like, I just don't know if I can handle one more thing. And in that moment, as a son who loves his mom, I could utter the statement that I've heard told to other people. And that is the statement that, well, God will give you more than you can handle. 
God will give you more than you can handle. I don't know if you've heard this in your time of despair or pain or suffering. I don't know if you've said this to someone. Most of the time we use these words when, when we think a person is at the end. And we know that, man, there is nothing else that could happen to them, right? And we're thinking, okay, God won't give you more than you can handle. And we use it trying to encourage someone. But I think there's some reasons this will actually push people away from God. And that actually, this isn't the whole truth. This is maybe just half the truth. And it doesn't take much to read the scriptures and see that all throughout the story of the Bible, we, we see people who are given more than they can handle. That there are times and stories in the scriptures that, that the people of the Bible who get to their breaking point, and it literally is more than they can handle. Uh, Moses, right? Moses is called to go back to Egypt and lead his people out. And Moses is like, look, who am I? I'm, I'm nobody. N- none of these people are going to listen to me or believe anything that I have to say. Uh, he stuttered, and so there was this moment where he says, I can't even speak. How am I going to speak for you? And, and Moses has reached this point where he realizes, I think, this is way more than I can handle on my own. And God in those moments says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. But, but never does he say, you're, you're not going to get more than you can handle. If you read the Psalms, this guy named David, he, he writes in the Psalms and he's one of the most honest writers I, I read in the scriptures. And he talks about the things that are going on in his life. And he says things like, how long, O oh Lord? Are you going to forget me forever? My enemies are overwhelming me. I don't know what to do. David is overwhelmed and he is receiving more in his life than he can handle. And we hear these cries from a man that understands the real world. He doesn't sugarcoat what's going on. He doesn't make excuses. He, he doesn't make these statements that says, I know that you won't give me more than I can handle. And then we have Jesus. We have Jesus in Mark 14, 33 and 34. I'll read 32. It says, they went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus says to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter and James and John along with him. And he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. And Jesus says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. I mean, this is Jesus who knows what's in front of him. And he says, look, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. I'm in sorrow to the point of death. And he says to his disciples, stay here and keep watch. Verse 35, he says, going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Jesus literally is having this conversation with God the Father. And he's saying, I don't know if I can do it. Is there another way? Is there something else that could happen? So why do we say this to people? What has happened? What have we read that makes us think that God won't give us more than we can handle? Well, I think it comes from a scripture. If you don't have a Bible, there's a red Bible around you. That's our gift to you. You can take that. Uh, We'd love for you to have that. Uh, It's 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. Uh, We just spent 10 weeks looking through Galatians, and a guy named Paul writes these letters back to churches, and he lives this life where he's against God, and he's persecuting and killing Christians. He becomes a Christian, and he helps other people follow Jesus, and then he would write these letters back to them, and he would encourage them, and he would help them. 
And so there's this church in Corinth and he's writing back to the people there. And he says this in verse 13. He says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can stand up under it. Now, if you were to read that, you could take out of that. Well, God's not going to give me more than I can handle. And what Paul is saying is this happens when we're tempted. That Paul is writing to a group of people who are new Christians. And they're coming out of this pagan world uh, where there was this license basically to do whatever you want. That there were idols that you worshipped. And so their lives were changed. They began to follow Jesus, but they're still living in the same setting. They're still eating meals with the same people they were before, before their lives changed. And Paul is saying, look, there, there's no temptation that's uncommon to man. You're not alone in this. And not only are you not alone, that most people, a lot of people are experiencing this. He says, look, when you're tempted, God's going to provide a way out. That there will always be a way out when you're tempted. That, that God will not put you in a place, that no one will put you in a place where there's not a way out when you're tempted. But what Paul is not saying here, Paul is not saying that the hardships or the troubles you face will be more than you can bear. He's saying that the, 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 the things we will have to overcome are the temptations in our lives. And some of you have experienced that. Some of you have been rescued and redeemed out of a difficult place, but you're still with those people. You're still in that setting. And there are times when it's tough. And Paul is saying, and I'm saying to you, that, that in those moments, there will be a way out. That temptation doesn't have to be too much for you. And so maybe the whole truth is that there are temptations that will not be too much, but, but there will be times in life, there are going to be some things that we face that will be simply more than we can handle on our own. That the weight of those doctor's reports and divorce and difficult children and raising kids and money and helping others, that, that, that might be some things that we just can't handle on our own. And so what do we do? There's three things I want to encourage you with today. Three things to remember when it comes to this statement that God will give you more than you can handle. The first one is this, words matter. Words matter. Let's start with the first four words of this statement. God won't give you. God won't give you. When we say this, when we say that God won't give you, we're implying that God is up there, out there somewhere, dishing out all of these difficult things. That we're implying that he sees your life and he says, mm, I think he can handle this. And he begins to pile on more and more. That it's God who's given you cancer or caused your husband to leave or your daughter to get sick. That you've gotten fired, that you can't pay your bills. But look, he knows how much you can handle. And he's going to stop at the point when you've had just enough. I remember as a kid, uh, and I do this now that I'm a dad, and and he, my dad would sit on my chest, right? He would pin my arms next to my body and he would sit on my chest and he would poke my chest and tickle me. And it would kind of go from this, I would laugh to this point where I would cry, right? Because it would get to this point where it began to hurt. And at that moment, my dad would stop. Or if you can remember as a kid, and, and I remember if you had a friend or uh, I remember relatives would do something to you, You'd pull your arm behind your back or do something. And then what did you have to say? 
mercy or uncle, right? It was like you go just as far as you can and then you, you call out, okay, that's enough, and then they, they stop. So when we make this statement that God will give you more than you can handle, that God won't give you, again, it's this idea that he is up there just looking to dish out the hardships in our lives. Because we are going to face hardships, that people close to us are going to get sick and things aren't always going to end like we want. That you may face depression and anxiety so much that you feel like you're drowning and that there's no escape. And I'm not sure that there's any of us at some point just felt like, man, there's nothing else that could happen, right? That there's nothing else. There's no more than I could handle. But I think it's vital for us to understand that we don't believe when those things happen, that it is God who is making them happen. That as we read the scriptures, the whole story of the Bible, that we aren't told that there won't be hard times. Jesus actually tells us that there will. But the truth is, in your life and my life, in the low times and the high times, that God will be near to us. That is the hope of the story of God. That is the hope that we cling to, that when we are going through difficult things, when there are times when we just can't handle anymore, that God is with us. And the good news is Jesus comes and he experiences this, right? I just, I just read that Jesus gets to this point where he thinks there's no more that I can handle. I don't know if I could take this on. Jesus is hated, he suffers, he's spit on, he's hurt by close friends, and at the end, he just kind of goes to the Father and he says, I don't know if I can do it. But he goes to a cross and he dies. And this isn't the last word. That in his resurrection, in his life after death, he is putting an end to those things. And so I I thought it was interesting as we sing, and we sing this song that, God, you're my healer. That you heal all my disease. It might be really hard for you to sing. Because there might be things in your life you've prayed for and you've cried out to and, 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 and for other people have had disease and, and God hasn't healed all disease. And so we talk about this a lot, that we have this hope for now, but we also have this hope eternal, right? We pray and we long for healing in our life and people's lives. But in the long run, what, what our hope is in is an eternity, that one day there will be no more disease, that there will be no more tears, there will be no more pain. And this isn't that we just hold on until we die, but it's this idea that we hope for healing now. And we, in the midst of difficult times, we believe that God is near to us. But ultimately, what we believe as followers of Jesus, that everything will be okay one day. That God will make everything right. That when you die and you move from this place into heaven and in the presence of God, everything is okay. So we have hope now, but we have hope eternal. And so when we pray, you heal all my disease, it might not be here. It might not be now. And so in the midst of these times when you don't know what else to do and you've heard someone say that God will give you more than you can handle, just understand that it's not my belief, it's not our belief, that it's God who is dishing out all of these things in our lives. But it's in the midst of those, number two, that we depend on his presence. We depend on his presence in the midst of all of this. So if you're anything like me, when things are going well, Uh, it's kind of easy to forget about God. When things are good and there's no bad reports and uh, our our kids are doing what they're supposed to and our marriage is healthy and finances are good, it's often easy to forget about God. But it's in those difficult places. 
It's in the hard times. We don't know what's next. That we go to God. That we long for him and we need him. But right now, maybe if things are are good, there's no urgency for him. And I want to encourage you to depend on God every day. That you would spend time recognizing God's goodness every day. That our only conversations with him wouldn't be in those times of need. But in the times of blessing, we recognize and we give thanksgiving, prayers of thanksgiving for what he has done. I know my own story as a a teenager. I lost one of my best friends at the age of 14. Uh, He was about 6'4 as an eighth grader, uh, one of the best basketball players I had ever uh, played with. And after school one day, he collapsed after playing uh, basketball and had a heart attack and died. About the same time as my parents divorced and I just left my, lost my grandma, I was the first person I had uh, really known and, and lost. Uh, my mom was going through a massive amount of depression where she just slept all the time as my dad moved out. I would go days where my mom would kind of peek her head out and see if things were okay, but I would just kind of take care of myself and go to school. And I remember in those moments as a teenager, I didn't, I didn't know this statement, but, but it was like at this point where I was like, I just can't handle anymore. I can't handle anymore in my life. And, I, and I've talked about my two buddies who invited me to church. And I began to learn about this God who was present in my life. And I would pray, and I would pray that my dad would come home and they wouldn't get divorced. And I, I, would, I would pray that things would go well and everything would be fixed. But you know what? They weren't. They weren't fixed. And, and anytime I heard this statement that God wouldn't give me more than I could handle, it was almost hurtful. Because for me, it was more than I could handle. It was more that I could deal with uh, on my own. And so I I would cling to this idea that there was still hope. That when I went to bed at night, I wasn't alone. That God was near to me. That his presence was with me. Uh, In Jonah, uh, we have a guy who uh, is told to do something and he basically tells God no and he runs. And we have the story where he ends up by a great... Uh, swallowed by a great fish. And it's in this place that he remembers God. It's found in Jonah 2, verse 2 and 7. And he said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. When my life was ebbing away, I remember you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. It's in this place where Jonah is still in the belly of the fish, and things are not good that he cries out to God and believes that God is near to him. Or we have the story in Mark 4, verse 35, says this, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Jesus says to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves break over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion, and the disciples woke up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? You've been at that place? Do you, do you care right now? Do you care what's going on in my life? Do you, do you care about the reports? God, I don't, I don't feel you. I don't know if you're there. The things that I prayed for have not come true. Do you care? The disciples see Jesus sleeping in a boat while this storm comes up and they begin to wake him up. And the question is, do you care if we drown? He got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. 
and the wind died down and he was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Jesus rebukes the wind and the waves. He says, quiet, be still, and they calm down. Then he questions the disciples' faith. And what's interesting to me is he still quiets the storm, but what he's, I think, questioning in these disciples is even in the midst of the storm, I was with you, yet you were still afraid. That, I, that maybe I wouldn't have woken up and you would have battled against the storms, but I still would have been with you. That yes, I care about you, that I'm concerned with your fears. But ultimately, I think the question is, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And maybe sometimes God will speak and your storms will go away. But maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe you'll be at a point where it's more than you can handle. But what I believe is that God will be near to you in those moments. That you will not be alone. That you will not face them by yourselves. Craig Rochelle is a pastor that I read and listen to as much as possible. And I've seen him say this before. He says, never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. So you might get to a place where you just can't handle it anymore. That if one more thing happens, you don't know what you will do. And it's in those times when it's difficult and you begin to wonder where God is or if he cares. Would you try to hold on to the truth that he is present and near to you? But there's times in our lives and the lives of those around us where all we have is him that all we have is God's presence. Psalm 23, that a lot of you would know, even if you don't have much familiarity with the Bible or the church, Psalm 23, verse four, he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that is not a place you wanna be. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. The writer isn't saying I'm in the shadow of the valley of death and I know you're gonna get me out tomorrow. He just says, I know you're with me while I'm in the midst of my valley. So the truth is, sometimes you'll have more than you can handle in your life. It doesn't mean God gave you those things, and it doesn't mean that you'll not get through them. But the truth is, it'll allow us to depend on his presence. And when you have a loved one, a family member, a coworker, a friend who is going through a difficult time, and they seem overwhelmed, Instead of making that statement, maybe you just simply say, can I pray with you? Can I pray for you? And then you ask how you can help. Because they may feel overwhelmed and it may be more than they can handle on their own. And maybe they just need someone else to come alongside them for a period of time and get a little help. And finally, finally in these moments is we learn to let go. We learn to let go. Uh, One of my favorite things to do with my kids uh, is to take them tubing behind a boat. I don't know if you've ever done this or seen this done. Uh, you put a raft behind a boat, you hook it with a rope, and then you drive really fast and attempt to throw your kids off a raft. And uh, my, my kids absolutely love it. And um, the funny thing is my son, who is eight, uh, is highly competitive. I, I haven't figured out quite where he got that. Um, but he's, he's super, super, super competitive. And so his mission is like not to be thrown off, right? And so you can see him in the, the tube just holding on as tight as he possibly can. And you'll, what happens is you get the tube outside of the wake and the tube just kind of skips across the water, right? And you just 
think any moment they're going to they're gonna fall off. But my son, he will be sideways on the tube uh, holding on. Well, a few years ago, uh, we were tubing and I had my nephew who is about a month older than my son who was terrified to go tubing. And I told uh, Reed, my nephew, everything will be okay, right? Everything will be fine. You won't fall off. And so I'm in the middle and I have my son who's about six at the time and Reed who's also six next to me. And, and we're beginning to go and the front of the tube begins to go underwater. And my dad didn't quite realize what was going on and so he takes off and the tube begins to just get sucked underwater. And both my son and Reed will not let go, right? And they're terrified of letting go. And they think, they just think if I'm strong enough, Right? If I'm strong enough, I will get through this. And so I bail off and they get sucked kind of down. And, and it's a moment. It feels like a long time, but it's a moment that they're underwater and life jackets bring them back up to the, the top of the water. But in my mind, the thought is they just wanted to hold on. They just thought, if I can just hold on, I'll get through the difficulties. And I think when we hear the phrase, God will give you more than you can handle. There's this idea, well, I just got to be strong. I just got to be strong. I got to persevere through the difficult times on my own. I just, I can't tell anybody that I'm struggling or that I need help because if God won't give me more than I can handle, then I should be able to get through this on my own. And so we, again, believe we have to be strong, that we can't tell people that we're struggling or we're not sure where God is in those moments. We feel like we can't be honest. I've done many funerals, difficult funerals, where I hear someone say, I'm just going to be strong. I just tell them, you don't have to be strong. You don't have to be strong. What, what you're going through is difficult and hard. You don't have to be strong. It is not our own strength that we rely on in those moments. We have Paul. Um, some of you may not know a lot about Paul. We, we talk about Paul. He writes a lot of the, the Bible. Uh, but there's uh, writing in, in 1 Corinthians, or in 2 Corinthians, sorry, 11. Uh, 24, and it's talking about Paul's life. Just, just hear what Paul uh, goes through. This is about halfway through his ministry. He says this, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. I'm overwhelmed hearing that. Can you imagine if someone came to Paul and said, well, God's not going to give you more than you can handle? Because I read that, and that's a lot. And I think what Paul realizes, and we're going to see in a moment, that it is more than he can handle on his own. That when we try to be strong, we actually miss out on an opportunity to let go and see God work in our lives. There was a moment where there were some things going on in Paul's life, and he wrote this uh, just after that. Chapter 12, verse 8, he says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord 
Let me back up, I'm sorry, verse 7. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. So it's not a literal thorn. Something was happening. Theologians, people way smarter than me, don't know what it was. Uh, He was losing his sight. And so some people think it might have been the fact that he was going blind and he had been praying that God would heal him. Uh, I tend to think it was people. It was people who were following Paul around and basically uh, contradicting what Paul was preaching. Paul's preaching grace. Someone would come along and say, yeah, yeah, we looked at this. Jesus is great, but you need more. And so Paul, three times, it's not that he prayed. It's not that he sat at his bed three different nights and prayed. These would have been seasons of prayer. These would have been seasons of begging God to make it stop, to take it away. But, verse 9, he says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul says, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul realized that it was in his weakness that he was completely dependent on God. That it wasn't him that needed to be strong. It wasn't him that needed to just take what was coming at him and pretend that it was easy. Paul got to a point where he said, this is difficult and the only way I'm going to make it through this is to understand that I'm weak. That I'm weak and I can't do this without God. So when we reach the point where someone has told us God won't give you more than you can handle, or we say that to ourselves, may you actually begin to see that it is a moment where you will recognize God's presence in your life, that he's near to you. Even if the storms keep coming, even if they don't go away and everything's not fixed like you want them to be, that his presence is near to you. Not only is his presence near to you, but it's when we're weak, we recognize that God is strong and his presence will get us through those difficult things. Last little story, and this one will close. Uh, I went to kids camp this uh, few weeks ago with my son, and a couple of the boys were out in the lake, and they were out in a canoe. And uh, they really didn't know how to use a canoe very well. And so they got to the other side of the lake, and it was time for them to come in. And as I saw these two little boys uh, out in the canoe, they just kept going back and forth in the lake. They couldn't quite figure out how to work together. And, you know, they would try. And it was 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Uh, they just kept going back and forth in the, the lake. And I'm like, is someone going to help them? Should I get in a boat? And the lifeguard's like, oh, I'll, I'll go take care of it. And so the lifeguard goes out, but instead of hooking into the canoe or helping them get in, he just kept trying to tell them how to row. And the wind kind of picked up, and and they were having an extremely difficult time getting the canoe facing where they needed to go. But but the lifeguard just kept telling me, you just got to row. You just got to row. And so I have this picture of many of us when we get to this point where it's storming in our life, and we're at the point where we're not sure we can handle anymore. We think we have to be strong, and we think, I'll just keep rowing through it. I'll just keep rowing through it. But I wonder what would happen if we pulled the rows in and we understood more about the idea of sailing. And we let go of those things. We said, okay, I'm not going to be strong right now. I'm going to trust. I'm going to put up my sail and believe the Spirit of God will get me through this. That I'm going to do what I'm responsible to do. And I'm going to do all I can in these times. But ultimately, I'm going to trust that God's presence will get me through this. That I'm going to invite people to come along with me. That I'm going to be honest and open and tell people, I don't know if I can handle anymore. 
And the hope is if you're in this community, no one will make this statement. God will give you more than you can handle. What they will say is what you're going through right now, God is with you and I am for you. That I will help you walk through this difficult time, whatever that looks like. So I don't know what it is for you. Greg's going to come up and, and finish with our song. I don't know what it is for you this morning that you just think, man, there is no more than I can handle. And you've been trying on your own strength just to make it through those difficult times. That you haven't opened up, you haven't been honest with God, you haven't been honest with anyone else. I want to encourage you over the next 24 hours, two days, that one, you just be honest with God. You'd cry out as David does and just ask him where he's at. And that's okay. It's okay. Because I believe that his presence will be near to you in the midst of that. God never walks away from David in the midst of him crying out. Often David ends those. They're called Psalms of Lament. He almost always ends those, but God is faithful. God is faithful. You cling to the truth that God is near to you in the midst of those things and that he is faithful and that we can let go. We don't have to be strong and we can believe that God will see us through. Do you stand with me as I pray as we sing together? God, would you help us to believe the whole truth? Would you help us to see those areas in our life where temptation seems to have a hold of us? Would we really believe that there is no temptation that we have to give into? That you won't give us more than we can bear as it comes to temptation? That there will always be a way, at least show us the way out. Well, Lord, would you help us to understand as it comes to pain and hardships and suffering? us to see that we've never been promised that those things will come. Would you help us to cling to you and believe that you're near to us when we're at our breaking point? I pray for many of my friends here today who I know they think there's no more than they can handle and they're going strong. I pray that they would depend on your presence. They would seek help. God, would you continue to encourage us? Would you continue to challenge us as we begin to be defensive as I have, as I've even worked through these things, Lord? Would you Help us to see the truth, the truth that you are near, even as times are hard. I pray this in Jesus' name.